Hello and welcome to another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett, the movie analyst, your host. And this is the podcast where I focus on the career of Philip Andre Rourke Jr., Mr. Mickey Rourke, or Eddie Cook, if you want to call him that. His little writing name that he goes by sometimes. Uh, Today's agenda will be three movies, although one of them, The Wrestler, I will focus on a little bit more in a one-off spin-off podcast uh, with an author of a book called Springsteen on Soundtrack. Uh, Caroline Madden joined me and we recorded it, so I will put that special edition of Mickey Rourke Talk out in the future where we discuss The Wrestler and other Bruce Springsteen songs in movies. I think Bruce and Mickey are very good friends as uh, Mickey and Axel Rose, among other people. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that shortly too, because Sweet Child of Mine appears in The Wrestler. After The Wrestler and at that discussion, I will talk about Fall Time from 1995, a movie that Mickey starred in with Jason London and David Arquette. Cheryl Lee was also in that. Uh, you might know Cheryl Lee as Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. And to finish it all off will be A Prayer for the Dying out of 1987, an Irish drama that had Bob Hoskins and Alan Bates and a young Liam Neeson in a really good scene opposite Mickey Rourke when they're in a park. Uh, again, we'll talk about that shortly. But first, none other than The Wrestler. Of course, Bruce Springsteen sang the song The Wrestler and the song appears in the movie during the end credits. So there's no excuse when you watch The Wrestler. You cannot turn it off. If, if nothing else, turn the movie up so you can hear the song. It was an Oscar-nominated song. It did not win. However, here's a little sample of it. Just take a listen to the lyrics. It's beautiful. Bruce Springsteen, the boss. The wrestler. Have you ever seen a one-trick pony in fields of happy and free? If you've ever seen a one-trick pony, then you've seen me. Have you ever seen a one-legged dog making his way down the street? If you've ever seen a one-legged dog, then you've seen me. Then you've seen me. I come and stand at every door. And you've seen me. Less than I had before And you've seen me But I can make you smile When the blood it hits the floor Tell me friend Can you ask for anything more Tell me can you ask for anything more uh, There I told you How great is that song Just listen to it in full sometime with your eyes closed uh, and and see what you think if the song should have been played maybe uh, in the middle of the movie somewhere because there are some really tight emotional scenes that that song probably would have been suitable in. However, the soundtrack itself has some uh, hair metal songs from the 80s that uh, I think you might be a little bit more jazzed about. Uh, Marissa Tomei is so good in this movie. Her chemistry with Mickey is 
10 out of 10. I, I believe their relationship and it's it's fierce and hard and unusual, um, but it works. I think Marissa Tomei is a stunning and glowing actor uh, and in this, nothing is left to hide. It's all out there when it comes to her acting and when it comes to her costumes and ability. Uh, you'll know what I mean if you've seen the film. Robin Radinsky is the real name of Randy. Randy the Ram Robinson, as his wrestler name is known as, and he has a signature move called the Ram Jam. Uh, it was also the alternate title to this film, the Ram Jam, but I'm glad they kept it with the wrestler. Although I remember when the wrestler was first released in 2008 that uh, some people were a little bit put off by the title because... You know, if you don't like wrestling, you're probably not really that keen to see a movie called The Wrestler. Uh, there's a lot more happening in it than wrestling. Although, Mickey being a professional sportsman himself, a, a professional boxing uh, contender, back in the day he even gave up acting to become, uh, to do the boxing and for a few years. And it also uh, was, when he got this role, I have a feeling that maybe wrestling was not something that boxers really uh took for real or for granted they knew it was a little bit more orchestrated than what boxing was but mickey's research was obviously spot on because he really does have a genuine feeling for the sport there are real wrestlers in the movie that he talks to and hangs around and has scenes with. So, you know, I think there's the mutual respect there. It's also very gruesome. There is uh, scenes with razor blades that bothered me. Uh, very harsh scenes. Uh, there's also a staple gun scene. Uh, these are both scenes in the wrestling ring. So uh, blood spurts and it's not, not pretty. Uh, another time when blood spurts and it made my, my blood go cold were was when uh, Randy was working in the delicatessen at his job uh, and he's losing it one day. This is towards sort of the back half of the film and uh, he puts his hand on the slicer where normally chicken or ham or whatever goes to slice the meat. He puts his hand in there and blood spurts everywhere and there's customers in the shop and oh, it's chaos. It's a really harsh moment to watch but very very interesting uh in the context of the movie mickey won uh best actor uh at the golden globes he did not win best actor at the oscars because uh, sean penn beat him for milk and uh it was good to see that uh mickey's reaction was very nice because mickey is a good friend of sean penn obviously and you know it's just mutual respect again i'm you know I wish Mickey had won the Oscar, but uh, wasn't to be. Speaking of Sean Penn, during that period where uh, Mickey's career was really bad and nobody wanted to work with him, when I say nobody, it was directors, it was film studios, basically. Um, but people would put him in, his friends would put him in movies, like Sylvester Stallone put him in uh, Get Carter for, you know, one day's work, uh, one scene. And Sean Penn did it when he directed The Pledge, put him in one scene. Uh, Vincent Gallo did it uh, for one scene in Buffalo 66. And you, you would have heard me talk about that on a previous episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. Buffalo 66, a movie that not a lot of people know, but Mickey's scene in it is just incredible. Well, speaking of incredible, Mickey is incredible in The Wrestler from start to finish. It is huge when it comes to emotions. 
It is devastating. Uh, it is funny. It has some funny moments in it. And uh, um, it's actually got a bit of romance in it too. And as I said, one hell of a soundtrack. Cellar was the album and the song Round and Round. You can hear Round and Round on the Wrestler soundtrack, one of many hairband songs. There's a lot of scenes that appear in uh, exotic dancing rooms, clubs uh, that uh, are for women of the night, and also the music that wrestlers come out to, uh, including Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses, one of the greats in my uh, <laughs> in my Spotify playlist, that is for sure. I like Guns N' Roses uh, a lot. And that song, you don't hear every day. I remember it being in a movie called Bad Dreams. It played during the end credits. But I'm not sure of any other movies it may have appeared in. Uh, I know that Paradise City appeared in Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, that was an amazing scene. Um, but this one... The Guns N' Roses song Sweet Child of Mine appears when Mickey goes out towards the... Well, I'm not going to go blow by blow and tell you what the synopsis is, but it is during the end, uh, the final sort of uh, wrestling moment that we see Randy the Ram Robinson partaking in. And Sweet Child of Mine is blaring as he goes out into the ring. A little story there is that that song was a song that Mickey used to go to the boxing ring to. And he rang up Axel and said, look, I'm doing this movie. We don't have any money. Can we use the song? And uh, Axel Rose, that he's a mate of Mickey's, said, yeah, yeah, you can have it. And it was free of charge. So uh, Darren Aronofsky really did direct this movie uh, with a minimal budget and a lead star that I guess until the cameras started rolling, nobody really believed he'd be able to, you know, pull it off. No one really wanted Mickey Rourke in the role. Nicolas Cage had it at one point. He pulled out, and I'm glad he did because Mickey brought, you know, brought everything to it. What a, what a performance. It is a movie that is really sad. Evan Rachel Wood plays Stephanie, Randy's estranged daughter, and they have two particular extended scenes. One which is just you'll need a box of tissues for because it is so sad. There is a monologue from Randy to his daughter that part of it is in the trailer, but you listen listen to it in full. It's amazing. And Evan Rachel Wood is really uh, a mature, um, outstanding actor that really does compliment Mickey. 
And then there is a more emotional, heartfelt, sadder scene when uh, Randy screws up and lets his daughter down again. Uh, as I mentioned, there are some really unhappy and happy moments in this. very intense and handheld photography in it sort of enhances the intenseness because there's a lot of running around through rooms, up steps, around people, and there's just uh, someone with a handheld camera following the situation. The edits are minimal. Let me tell you about the costumes that Mickey wears. They are kind of simple. He wears white at one point. Uh, wears a lot of uh, hoodies and jeans, denim jacket. I really like that denim jacket. He has on a puffy jacket and a long sleeve shirt uh, also because uh, he go, attempts to go jogging. Mickey's character, a little bit like his character in Ashby, has a heart condition. If you go back and listen to a previous Mickey Rourke talk episode, you'll hear me talk about his movie Ashby and how it was uh, slowed him down and he had a condition. It wasn't just the heart in Ashby, but in this it is. And um, it really means that he can't do wrestling again, even though he goes to those legend events and not just signings, but actually fights still. All pretty harsh, if you ask me. And I'm not sure that um, if you are weak yourself uh don't watch this movie because there are some established graphic scenes is Cinderella, the band Cinderella, with You Don't Know What You Got Until It's Gone. That song features on the soundtrack of The Wrestler. It's an exhilarating movie. I remember seeing it on the big screen for the first time when it was released in a cinema in Sydney. I especially went down to it because it was a limited release. It, uh, it wasn't screening everywhere. It was a movie that I guess many studios, I mean, they took a gamble making it, the studios, and putting limited money into it, but then releasing it, nobody really knew. It was more of a, uh, a good word of mouth that was coming out of film festivals saying, hey, Mickey Rourke is back. This is huge. Uh, he is fantastic. And, and all the other accolades that he got, astonishing performances. Uh, astonishing performances is the two words that you used to hear a lot from critics. And when it came to Mickey Rourke, you did not hear that much back then. So it was a surprise to many. It did not surprise me. The acting and the the adventure of the the roles that he took previously were all there. He kept working hard and kept going and going and going and doing different roles. And it, and it took Darren Aronofsky to really make Hollywood say, hey, this guy's good, because he went on to do uh, 
many more movies and still is after The Wrestler. I think it was Sin, Sin City that really opened a few eyes and then The Wrestler was the icing on the cake for more jobs in Hollywood. Uh, to finish it all off, does Mickey suit the role? Well, yes, he does. As I said, Nicolas Cage was actually cast. He was in the role until he dropped out. Uh, and then Mickey stepped back in because Mickey was first choice, stepped out of it, then went back into it, and I'm really glad he did. Uh, the rest is history. Uh, I will talk more about The Wrestler and other things Mickey Rourke related in a special edition of Mickey Rourke Talk when I mention, as I mentioned earlier, with the author of Springsteen on soundtrack. But up next, let's talk Fall Time from 1995. Have you heard of that movie starring Mickey Rourke, David Arquette, Jason London and Cheryl Lee? One of my favourites, Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks. There will be more fun facts and more of my opinions on that special episode of Mickey Rourke Talk concerning The Wrestler with Caroline Madden, the author of Springsteen on Soundtrack. Uh, but uh, for now, I'll finish it off by saying he doesn't smoke. No, Mickey doesn't smoke. And he plays with kids in there. They respect him. There's some kids where near where he lives in the, near his caravan uh, or trailer, whatever you'd like to call it. And... Mickey's character has his own video game uh, and the the local kids think he's a hero because they love wrestling. So, yeah, there you go. Just just another tender moment amongst the mayhem of the wrestler. Now, I just mentioned Cheryl Lee, Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks, who's in the upcoming Mickey Rourke movie I'm going to discuss, Fall Time. That's a little bit of the Twin Peaks theme by Angelo Badalamenti. What a composer he is. Uh, and the reason I played that is because Fall Time from 1994 or 1995, depends on where you were when it was released, uh, was a movie starring Jason London, Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks, Stephen Baldwin and David Arquette, a very young David Arquette and Mickey Rourke. Uh, incidentally, when I spoke to David Arquette recently, I mentioned the movie Full Time. He was surprised I'd even seen it. It was one of his early films. Um, he was happy I'd seen it, and I told him I own a copy of it, which I do on DVD. I've seen it a few times now, and uh, I thought he was very impressive in it. David, I'm talking about. He was telling me that um, when I asked him what it was like working with Mickey Rourke, he told me that he um, Mickey Rourke sort of made it a point of not seeing and meeting a lot of the actors that he was working with so that they didn't have a connection off screen. So if they were playing uh, opposites on screen, it would be more effective. And it works because uh, Mickey's character is obscure and different, but he's also a real devil, a real not quite the Angel Heart style devil of Louis Cypher, but uh, that's Robert De Niro in Angel Heart, of course, and Harry Angel. 
But that is another episode of Mickey Rourke Talk when we discuss Angel Heart. Uh, no, Mickey's character here is a villain, a uh, very nasty villain, and uh, he kind of tortures a few people in this, including David Arquette's character. It's set in the 1950s, and I've got to be honest, it's a struggle to watch. I, d- I think a lot of people might turn off this movie within about 40 minutes. I reckon you might get about halfway or so through it, many people, until they turn it off. Um, stay with it, though, because the opening 10 minutes is a real struggle. Then it picks up and then the final, I guess, half an hour to 25 minutes can be a little bit of a um, uh, a hard-to-take-at-times film. But the story itself of three friends, they go to rob a bank, it all goes wrong, uh, and at the same time, Mickey Rourke and Stephen Baldwin's characters, they are going to rob this same bank. And it all gets mixed up. So it's a case of mistaken identity that just gets blown out of control. Got a lot of weird dialogue uh, in it. Um, and when I say weird dialogue, just just things that are said that I had to stop and rewind at times. Not the first couple of times I watched it, but when I was uh, writing notes down for this podcast, I was just listening and I don't want to repeat some of the flamboyant and fragrant things that are said in this uh, and weird, weird stuff. I don't know if the screenwriters just put them in as a joke thinking no one's going to see this movie, but there must have been some intention. Uh, it has got some decent acting in it and the direction is pretty good overall, the cinematography. As I said, uh, though, uh, I think Mickey himself is a highlight, but it's just a really odd character for him. Oh, and let me tell you about some of the costume, the uh, clothes that he's wearing in this film, including an orange leather jacket with zippers all through it and this huge belt that just, like, flambles around around his waist. Oh, weird. Uh, that is the song Cars by Gary Newman. That features on the soundtrack of The Informers, a uh, Mickey Rourke film that I'll be discussing in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. And speaking of cars, uh, Mickey's car in this is a unusual uh, looking one, but it's a nice old Cadillac with wings. I thought it looked a bit different than your regular uh, pop top cat Cadillac but uh yeah check it out uh, I think it's Cadillac anyway excuse me if I'm wrong it just reminded me of pink Cadillac the the Cadillac that um Clint Eastwood drives in the movie pink Cadillac it looked the same only a different color so if there's a car enthusiast out there and says I'm wrong just send me an email shaneadambassett at gmail.com uh some of the clothes that the costume designer well, I hope it was the costume designer and not Mickey's own choice to put him in. He has, uh, let's start with jewellery, a gold ring on his left on his left pinky. 
which is a little bit different. Uh, he also has a square watch with diamonds, I noticed. The infamous orange-black leather-style pleather jacket, I'm not sure. A gold chain and a medallion. Black shirt, uh, big square belt buckle thing around this jacket. I think it's connected to the jacket. And these weird um, brown tan pointy shoes too. He wears them. Um, at one point, he pro professes his love for the Stephen Baldwin character, but you're never quite sure of what's going on between those two. I think it's indicated, but never clear. Um, read between the lines there. Well, does Mickey suit the role? Well, yes, he does. The odd story aside and the flamboyancy of the character aside, his name is Florence in it. And, it, and yeah, Florence. Now... I don't mind the name Florence. I don't think I've heard of a bloke called Flo, unless that's his nickname. But uh, either way, I think he's great in the role. It's different. It's quietly suggestive. And Mickey gives, again, he gives it everything. There's no uh, holding back in any of these scenes. I do believe that Mickey was dedicated to the role, albeit a lower production and very thankful for you know basically almost a lead role he's in most of the movie uh he pops up just after the 10 minute mark in the movie cheryl lee on the other hand doesn't turn up till the 50th minute mark laura palmer oh well uh there's a bit of smoking in this yes mickey does smoke and jason london his character often says nuts and something goes wrong, he goes nuts there is swearing in this but uh, it bugged me that his character kept on saying nuts don't exactly know why so is the movie worth watching i'd say yes it's a curiosity piece uh there is more oh, here's another weird moment it's when uh there is one of the young guys that gets caught i'm not going to tell you the whole story again i want you to watch the movie uh one of the young guys in the mistaken identity uh thing that happens gets caught and he's tied up is roped by with rope in this sequence where Mickey has this long switchblade and starts spouting this monologue, this weird monologue, um, talking about exercising his brain and, and dancing with himself. Uh, the dialogue is really embarrassing at times. That's its biggest downfall. I'm not a big fan of movies that are set in the 1950s either and shows like Happy Days and, and whatever. Don't get me wrong, I love Chuck Berry and, and music from the 50s is usually pretty good and, and some movies are too obviously but uh it's just not not a decade i go and gravitate towards when it comes to movies uh fall time does have its moments and it's worth watching for mickey and david arquette and cheryl lee but uh, i have a dvd copy of it it's pretty rare if you can find it good luck uh, let me know if you liked it if you get a chance to watch it so up next, we're going to finish this triple feature with a prayer for the dying. Mickey O'Rourke is a terrorist who killed for a cause he believed in. Now he wants out. There'll be no more killing. One more makes no difference. I said no! Alan Bates is the man who wants him to kill one more time. You've changed your mind. Bob Hoskins is the priest who became a witness. God say no. You are profaning the holy church to save your skin. Who 
are you, Mr. Fallon? You hide yourself, don't you? Hunted on all sides, he's protected by a vow of silence. I want the priest. He's a witness. Nobody touches the priest. Good evening, Father. My church has been desecrated. Nothing to do with me. You're lying. I don't think you quite know who I am. Where'd you leave? I saw myself laying on the street, dying. Not wanting to die. You've made a choice. You've turned your back on the horror. He'll be leaving soon. Do you have to? I have to. Don't turn around. Based on the best-selling thriller by Jack Higgins. Ah, uh, yes, the best-selling thriller by Jack Higgins, a very popular writer back in the day. Uh, that movie, the A Prayer for the Dying, uh, is directed by Mike Hodges. Now, Mike Hodges is significant because he directed uh, Flash Gordon. He directed Flash Gordon. How good! One of the great uh, camp sci-fi movies ever made. That is for sure. He also made Get Carter, uh, the Michael Caine version. And let me tell you that, of course, Mickey Rourke appeared in Get Carter, the Sylvester Stallone remake. So there's a connection right there. Uh, if you look at the documentary, if you're lucky enough to have the Blu-ray of A Prayer for the Dying, um, it has a documentary on it. Well, mine does anyway. And an interview uh, with the director, Mike Hodges, who says that um, the movie was kind of changed around a bit to how he wanted it. He's still happy with the movie and he loves Mickey Rourke's performance, although he was a little bit of a um, troublesome actor on set, I believe, and did change a few things that he wanted changed. The actor really took over from the director, I think, and maybe some of the studio executives. So it's a very interesting piece on the movie that is on the uh, Blu-ray, so have a look at it. I've also got it on a DVD, but that doesn't have any extra footage or uh, bonus features on it. Mickey Rourke stars alongside Bob Hoskins and Alan Bates and Sammy Davis, really good actor uh, who plays his kind of love interest, you would say, um, confidant, friend, they are lovers, uh, thematically. Anyway, I'm not going to give anything away, as I usually try not to give too much away when we talk about Mickey Rourke movies. Mickey is topped build. He is top build in this. So when the credits start, his name is first. And in the opening scene, he and Liam Neeson, a young Liam Neeson, uh, accidentally blow up a school bus full of children and so Mickey's character goes on the run. But then he's forced into doing one more job for this uh, IRA-style terrorist guy, um, a gangster in Ireland. Mickey doesn't want to do any more killing, but he's forced into this job. He he assassinates someone in a, uh, a cemetery, and a priest sees him, that priest played by Bob Hoskins, and then uh, obviously... Mickey's character doesn't want to kill anymore. He doesn't want to kill the priest. They kind of become friends in a way. Again, I'm not going to give you too much more information. But 
Mickey will not kill the priest. You find out why. And then it all amounts to a big finale. I really enjoyed this movie. It's fast paced. I've never seen it before. When I say I've never seen it, I've seen bits of it. I thought I'd seen it in full. I never saw it at the cinema. And uh, I have owned a copy of it for a long time. Now I've got two copies of it. I've finally seen it and <laughs> for the podcast and glad I, I did watch it. Took some notes and really enjoyed Mickey Rourke's performance. He has a, his name's Martin in the movie. Um, he has a very interesting uh, Irish accent. I believe it was probably bagged and not uh, respected back when the movie was first released. But I think he did a pretty good job, uh, honestly. Uh, I, what I don't like about actors who have critics talk to them or say, remark about their uh, say there's an Australian doing an American accent or an American doing an Australian accent or, or an English person doing an, an Italian accent, you know, that kind of thing. And a critic will go, oh, their accent's terrible. It's terrible. You can't believe it. Uh, a Russian accent that Nicole Kidman did recently in, in, a, in a show that she was in, Nine Perfect Strangers, people were really going on about how bad her Russian accent was. But, you know, if you can't do the accent yourself, uh, or if you can do better, do it. Otherwise, have a slight comment about it if you want, but don't really rubbish it. it. It wasn't that bad. Mickey Rourke's Irish accent to me was believable. And the more the movie goes, the more you can understand him. Anyone with a really strong Irish accent is hard to, you know, get their reverberation of words anyway most of the time. Is Mickey suited to the role? Well, yes, he is. I love him in this because he shows so many different sides to his personality. He's a vicious killer. He's a hitman, but he's also got compassion because he wants out. He falls in love with the organist at the church when he really shouldn't. It's a melodrama. Honestly, there's a few nasty scenes at the core because it's a IRA story, but uh, overall, there's some really nice moments and, and good scenes. He's acting chemistry opposite Bob Hoskins, electric. Opposite Alan Bates, really powerful, uh, especially at the end. There's also a monologue uh, that he has with Liam Neeson in a park. They're old friends that separate and then sort of get back together, but there's a deadline of um, and and. Uh, and something that Liam says to Mickey in this and it's really good. I, I, I love it. It seems a little bit like they may have made some of it up and gone off script. I'm not sure. I could be wrong, but um, it's an intense scene and I think Liam and Mickey were trying to outdo each other when it came to the dialogue. Uh, it's so strong. It's really good. Uh, and there's a speech that Mickey makes to, or I should say Martin, his character, makes to Bob Hoskins' character that, that the in the church at the end oh it's delivered with so much punch it, it, it really is a, a top-notch movie that i don't think a lot of people talk about uh the director thinks it's whole it holds up and i he says that in the documentary and i believe believe him i think it still holds up now too although he does say that he has like all this uh original version that he'd filmed that's never been released and i'd be interested to see it but um who knows if that'll ever see the light of day. Um, this is 
Mr. Fallon. Well, Mr. Fallon's been helping us repair the organ. Hmm. Looks complicated. How long have you been here? Hmm? How long have you been here? It's not a job to be done in five minutes, sir. Well, you carry on. I like to see an expert at work. Uh, Superintendent, let's uh, talk in the sac sacristy, shall we? Do play, Mr. Fallon. Oh, very well. Good. Let's have a tune. for it. Ah, there you go. See, Mickey can play. Then again, uh, he can't. I'll tell you why in a second, I know. But that is just a little snippet uh, of a clip from A Prayer for the Dying where this police inspector is questioning Martin while he sits and uh, helps clean and... and uh, Maybe do something with the organ that um, needs to be done. Let me say he's just tuning it, fine-tuning it, and the inspector walks in and uh, really wants to complicate things. Does He's a little bit sus and uh, asks him those questions you just heard. And you know what bugs me in movies, and this was what happened in this movie, when you see a piano player or an organist or a guitarist even, uh, and they're playing a musical instrument and you don't see their hands on the instrument. You see them touching the instrument. You don't see them playing the instrument. So all of a sudden you see their face and they're bouncing around and they're playing, the music playing. And then you see someone else's hands because you can only see the wrists playing whatever musical instrument it is. And well, that is exactly what happens in A Prayer for the Dying. I don't think Mickey is playing the organ. I wouldn't put it past him, though. He's a very talented man. The costumes on Mickey in this movie are interesting. They're very 80s and they're very puffy. Uh, there's lots of um, green and khaki-style colours, big puffy jacket. It uh, must be very cold because everyone's all rugged up. Uh, there is a skivvy jumper thing, turtleneck thing that Mickey wears, a couple of different kinds of those, uh, brown shoes as well, uh, and some orange sunnies. And his hair in this it matches his hair, actually, because his hair is a little bit orange in it too. He also has a black overcoat and a black beret on when he's conducting the assassination in the cemetery. Good old Mickey. He lights up uh, after a very tender moment with uh, the organist, um, Sammy Davis' character. I think Sammy Davis is really good in this. She's a stunning-looking woman. Her acting, she's blind in this. And again, if I didn't know she wasn't blind, you'd think she was because the acting is so precise well, I thought it was anyway. Uh, ironically, I do think it's amusing because he puts Mickey Rock puts a villain into an like in a crematorium shaft and blows him up basically in a ball of flames, 
uh, and then he ashes the smoke in it. <laughs> a little, it's quite an amusing moment. This movie has form, A Prayer for the Dying. If you get a chance, watch it. I highly recommend it. It is a... Could anyone else play the role of Mickey Rourke's character? Well, I don't know. Liam Neeson and him may have swapped out, but that would have meant Liam Neeson had the, the main role and Mickey would have only been in two or three scenes. Alison Doody is also in this movie. And if you don't know who Alison Doody is, she's a former um, Bond girl and she was also in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Whatever happened to Alison Doody? Actually, she was in The Underneath too, a really cool Steven Soderbergh movie. With um, old caterpillar eyes, uh, it's Peter Gallagher. Oh, he's a good actor too, Peter Gallagher. All right, well, that's it for A Prayer for the Dying and all of the three movies today. I would say The Wrestler is number one, Prayer for the Dying is number two, and Full Time is number three. All of high interest and all obscure in their own way, but three excellent alternative top-notch performances from Mr. Mickey Rourke. That is, of course, Booker T and the MGs, Hip Hug Her, a song, well, I should say an instrumental that features in the movie Barfly, starring Mickey Rock and, and others, including Faye Dunaway. Uh, I have spoken about Barfly in a previous Mickey Rock Talk episode. I hope you, uh, if you haven't heard it, you go back and have a listen. Uh, there'll be more Mickey Rock Talk episodes to come. Not sure what films I'll be talking about next. And keep an eye out and an ear out for the special edition of The Wrestler, Mickey Rourke Talk, when I speak with Caroline Madden, the author of Springsteen on Soundtrack. Uh, that's her book about songs that uh, Bruce Springsteen has on various movie soundtracks. And I've already had a chat to her and it was a really cool conversation. So I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Uh she has a great opinion on the movie The Wrestler and a view on Mickey Rourke and history with Mickey Rourke. And uh, I also talk a little bit more about The Wrestler more than I did on this episode. So there you go if you want to hear my opinions. You can also go to social media at movie underscore analyst is probably the best way to find me. Uh, you can also search YouTube, a YouTube channel I have where I interview people and I'm thinking of putting some other stuff on there eventually. But a few celebrity interviews are up there now. Movie analyst Shane Adam Bassett. Or you can always send me an email if you want to. ShaneAdamBassett at gmail.com So that's basically it for Mickey Rock Talk. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I usually ramble on and go on way too much. But uh, if you stuck with it to the end, I appreciate your patience and everything about you. Until next time, bye for now. Long live Mickey Rourke. <laughs>